This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. Now in our fifth season, our fifth long <laughs> season, looking into the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club, I am Richard Woodward and you are tuned into the flagship show, available every week on video and audio for a sometimes irreverent, but always informative, if not depressing hour of football conversation. So make your Monday a Blue Monday and welcome back to the show on St David's Day of all days. Derry St Happis. North Wales. As we say up North here. West correspondent Seb Brown. Seb, how are you? Very well, thank you. Um, are you? Well, yeah. Are you sure? Today's quite a nice day. It's, it's quite nice weather. It's, uh, it's, it's Wales's national day. So today's fine. Yesterday was crap. Bodada to our Welsh listeners. Wow. Um, we've got plenty to talk about. I've, I've, let's start with some um, sad news. Um, Richie Day, you might have um, heard of this in the local press if you're down in Suffolk. Um, one of our listeners, one of our subscribers, sadly passed away last weekend um, from injuries to stay walking home from a night out. Just a, a, one of those bad situations, wrong place, wrong time. Richie was a, a town fan and a listener to the pod. Um, and his younger brother, Chris, um, season tick holder with Ben back in the day. They travelled to away games together. Um, Richie, massively popular in town, um, especially around the live music scene. Um, and obviously beloved and, and badly missed by his friends and family. So um, this show is dedicated to Richie and, and Chris as well, who we're thinking about. And I'm sure everyone listening um, will share um, us passing on our condolences to them. So really sad start to the show. Um, but this is dedicated to you, Richie, and to you, Chris. Um, and we're all thinking of you. Um, let's move on and talk about some news, shall we? Um, the pillars vote, Seb. Yep. Um, lots of Twitter discussion about the pillars. Um, these are the 12 pillars in the Sir Ralph Ramsey stand concourse. Um, season ticket holders, um, some season ticket holders received the vote. We know that democracy always <laughs> works and brings out a good outcome. But we have a top 12 players um, from that. And I need to turn off my uh, alerts there. Um, Professional. Professionalism, Professionalism is, is, and that is what we want. Um, I guess no surprises that Johnny Walk tops the pole, um, or the pillar, whichever you prefer. Um, Matt Holland, number two. Mick Mills, number three. Butcher, Mariner, BT. This is in order of the vote. Burley, Crawford, Muran, Tyson, Stewart and Magilton. Um And I guess my immediate thoughts in that list um, is that it is rather skewed to the olden days, as I always put it. Um, the successful days. The successful yeah. days, yeah, which yeah. I guess is not a surprise. I don't think there's any names in there that you could dispute. I think probably the reflection that I would have um, is not only that it's it's from an era that a lot of newer supporters, and I would even include us, and we are getting yeah, yeah. on a little bit, um, won't have been party to um, and won't have seen those players in action. Um, and um, And also, I guess... 
this it wasn't kind of a legends vote. It was more kind of an icons or fans favourite. Um, I just think it's a little bit sad that there's no one from kind of Ipswich or the Suffolk or East Anglian area in there. I think Butcher is the only one who has links to the county, but he was born in Singapore. So um, your reflections on those? No David Johnson, which I'm sure you're gutted about. I, I can only assume he finished at number 13. Um, all the confusion with the 1970s one probably skewed the poll. L- like you say, it's just a reflection of our, our fan base being, you know, the success we had in the 70s and 80s, the overachievements, I guess you could say, is reflected in that poll. M- mine was pretty similar. I think I did a, the ones I felt should be in there. So your BTs, your Mills, your Mariners. But I also had, you know, Tariqa was on my list, as was Mickey Stockwell. It would have been nice to see maybe not someone you automatically think of as a as an icon or a legend but somebody who's delivered you know I mean Mickey Stockwell played for us for god knows how many years and mm. you know a great servant for the club and from the area so I'd like to see somebody like that in the list but I guess overall with those uh, with those kind of names linking to the the, the successful times you, you can't really argue with it no exactly right um and I think as always as football fans and as people on social media we'll always find something to critique um and discuss but that's the whole point of Twitter isn't it um so, yeah, so I don't, I don't know when that's going to happen, but um, certainly... The, club- well, the roof was meant to be cleaned nine months ago, and that's still not been done, so I'd assume we'll probably see these pillars round about 2030. Brilliant, we can do another vote then and <laughs> have the same players from the 70s and 80s in there, can't we? Um, and, it, and again, a comment, as we always generally do, that... Um, at least the club is starting to show a little bit of kind of intent to make the it's, stadium a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, it's and a nice thing to do as well. It yeah, it's, it's a decent thing to do. They've had a bit of stick on Twitter, um, but I think it's, it's a nice thing to do. You know, it's got a bit of fan engagement. If they just painted the, the things blue or something, um, it would have been the easy option. But to put a vote out to the fans is uh, is showing they're trying in some ways to maybe reconnect a little bit with the uh, uh, with the community. And I think I think it's a nice thing the club's done. Yep, um, a few bits and pieces here from Lambert, who spoke to the press at the end of last week I might I won't ask you to um, deconstruct his um, we're never going to give up and not until it's mathematically impossible um, statement if if he was Man City boss I'm sure Man City could still win the title this season despite <laughs> um, Liverpool having a 25 yeah. point gap is it or 25 no, they lost. Of them. do they lose yeah they lost um, but contract situation this is um, an interesting one Town took up their one year option on left back Bailey Clements which I think given um, some of the stuff that we'll talk on um, about Blackpool um, that doesn't surprise me. Um, and Brett McGavin, I think we're expecting to follow shortly Imminent, after. Yeah. But we've got Cole Scoose, Andre Dizelle, Will Keane, Guion Edwards, Danny Rowe, Jordan Roberts and Armando Dobra all out of contract in the summer. Um, all apparently have a one-year extension clause that can be triggered, but we are not going to trigger that. Um, now we are going to wait until the end of the season and see where we are. Um, your thoughts on some of those names, um, decisions being delayed and... Yeah, generally whether the strategy makes sense. Well, it, I guess it does for a couple of them. I'm assuming, you know, Jordan Roberts, let's be realistic, he's going to be released. Um, so I, I don't really understand why they just don't come out and, and say stuff like that. Danny Rowe and Gwion Edwards are our only real wide options in the squad. Um, so I guess you'd be loath to release the only two players we have capable of playing with any kind of width. Excuse makes sense to wait a little bit. Keane's done OK recently. I wouldn't mind him... Uh, him getting a new deal. But the two really concerning ones, obviously, are Andre Dezel and Amanda Dobra. They're both assets to the club. Um, we had the bid turned down from Brighton in January for, for Dobra. And when he came on yesterday, he really looked a handful. So all it will take is we trigger the extension, we make him an offer, 
Brighton, let's say, come back in in the summer and get in his ear straight away, then his agent is going to be on at him saying, are you sure you want to sign with Ipswich? You know, you could walk away on a free and get, they'll get a minimal compensation mm. uh, fee at a tribunal. So I, I don't understand why we don't get the, the younger ones uh, tied down and sorted out pretty quickly because our business model should be protect the young assets, build them up, develop them, sell them and reinvest it if we're just going to let these guys go for, for a pittance because the, the, the ball's in their court with regards to walking away in 12 months' time. It's a, it's a really worrying sign. Yeah, um, I guess the thing about um, some of these players, Cole Scoose, I'm looking at, mate, Danny Rowe, Jordan Roberts, is there, depending on where we finish, is there a, a, a option here to use this as a tool to revamp the squad and reboot a little bit? Um, a, clear a lot up. of people, yeah, clear out. I didn't want to use that word, but yeah. go on then, use that, yeah. I mean, Scoose and, Scoose and Chambers are always going to be linked to the, the Mick era. So I guess it comes down to does Lambert want to completely, if it's going to be Lambert who's in charge, does he want to completely clear the decks when he can and get his own people in and build an own team and his own identity? Uh, if, if you're going to do that, then, then, then you have to release Scoose. There was talk, wasn't there, about a, a player coach kind of kind of option. He's yeah. been doing stuff with the under-18s. He's been coaching the under-18s and 23s, I think. But, but again, if Lambert doesn't want the likes of him and Chambers at the club, then then he's got real got no choice other than to uh, to release him out. And to be fair, we are we are pretty well stocked in central midfield, aren't we? If he were to go, it wouldn't exactly be uh, we, we wouldn't be short on numbers still. Yeah, and Andre Dazel, we've talked plenty about Andre Dazel on the pod. That situation is is definitely troublesome. But yeah. I think the key message is let's not <laughs> let's not let contracts run out and rely on tribunals to set fees because we will not get market value from a tribunal, particularly when it's a championship club that is looking yeah. to take advantage because um, conspiracy theories abound about EFL and FPP and EPPP. And but, but this isn't new, is it? Let's be honest. I mean, Grant, McCauley, Ledbitter, David Norris, we, we've, we've never been great at contracts and, and never been great at protecting our assets. So it's just a, the latest round in a, in a series of, of, of mismanagement and bad decisions. Step up, Lee O'Neill. Um, let's end the news with this story, um, which... Um, yeah, um, Geraint and Dorr, um has admitted about lying about his age when um, he was a player. Um, his quote was, what is certain is that in Senegal, 99% of players have reduced their age. Um, and I think this is to allow them to be a pro in Europe and move um, uh, to Europe to be a pro. Um, I'm, I'm not going to ask you a kind of a, a political question there or anything like that. Um, but I will ask you if you ever lied about your age in the past to take advantage oh, of, of course. I'm yeah. fairly sure we've both been in McGinty's or the Arboretum in the late 90s. And uh, yes, sir, I'm definitely 18. What? Yeah. Yeah. No, certainly not. I've not been kicked out of McGinty's <laughs> ever in my life. Let's move on. Let's talk about Blackpool. Let's, um, let's talk about Blackpool, which um, I put on the Blue Monday WhatsApp chat in the nicest possible ways, like Felix Stowe on acid or something. Wow. It's, it's, so, um, it was the good people of the Wirral last time, and now you're slagging off a northern institution in Blackpool. Uh, hello Find to, him on Twitter at Ipswich. Hello to all the people in Blackpool listening to the Blue <laughs> Monday pod, um, which may, yeah, well, there are all those out there. Um, um, that was a compliment as well. You know, it's, was it? Felix Stowe is, on crack. is great, but as in, it's big, there's lots of amusements, right. there's lots of. I've never known the term on crack there. be a compliment. It's just big and different and crazy. Okay. That's, yeah, that's. On crack. Don't do drugs, kids. Um, Blackpool, <laughs> let's talk about um, kind of the situation going into this match, which is not great for either side, albeit Blackpool, um, who are without a manager, David Dunn in temporary charge, um, had had a poor run 
Um, they were 14th going into this game, eight wins at home, two draws, five defeats, but that has the mid-table and the home form table. The key for them, a, a home win over Bolton um, in midweek. Um, but previously, their only win in 2020 had been against Southend. Um, seven points from eight games in 2020 so far, and a long come rip switch. Just know, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and Simon Grayson had lost his job at the start of the month as well. It's also worth adding here, um, Blackpool six games without a win against ITFC. Um, we um, were down to ninth after the midweek round of games as other teams caught up. Um, and there was a situation where I think we were four or five points off the playoffs, but Sunderland yeah. equalised in the last minute against Fleetwood, um, which means we only had a three-point gap going into this. Um, good news, I guess, for town. Um, Armand Nandouye, uh, their leading scorer. I'm not going to say that again. I'm pretty happy with that. And Sully Kai Kai, both injured. Um, so let's talk about these teams, Seb. Um, we expected maybe a shift of personnel due to suspensions, due to injury, particularly um, our strikers. And it's a 4-3-3 formation that Ipswich go with, or a 4-1-4-1 out of of possession. Um, Holly in goal. Um, Garber, Earl, Chambers, Wolfen in as your back four with Wolfie out on the right. Scoose, Downs and Hughes um, make up the midfield three. And it's Sears, Keane and Bishop. The front three. Your thoughts on that? Well, when the team came out, nobody really knew. We were in the pub um, with Mullet and Senior. We didn't have a clue what the formation was. The Blue Monday WhatsApp group didn't seem to have a clue what the formation was. I assumed when I saw it, given the personnel, that it would have been a 4-4-2 diamond with Scoose at the base, Downs and Hughes either side, and Bishop at the uh, at the tip with uh, Sears and Keane up front. I wasn't really expecting a 4-3-3, given that Bishop is not a natural winger or an inside forward. He's, he does his best work in the centre of the park when he's head down, running at people, breaking the lines. But uh, as soon as they kicked off, it was quite obvious it was a it was a 4-3-3. Um, and you just wanted to make sure, hope that, that Sears and Bishop um, really, really supported Keane. Because as we've seen in the past, when Keane is isolated, he's not at his best. So you, you were slightly concerned about the uh, the support for him in that lone striker striker role. Yeah, and it's it. See if we yeah. Um, Bishop has played out wide, I think. Before we ex- did, did he do it at Exeter in the uh, EFL? I think he did it on his on his mm. comeback again in the Exeter game in the EFL Trophy Cup thing. Um, but but we all know Bishop was either a, you know he was in fourteen fifteen he was a, a central midfielder wasn't he attacking yeah. an attacking central midfielder or you want to see him in the number ten role like he was when he came on at was it uh, Tranmere away. Mm-hmm. And really start to influence the game. So, um, yeah, I didn't really think it worked as a, as, a, as a wide right option. No, well, Bishop doesn't get a huge amount of mention. We'll talk about the match action, the key match action in a second. And, and, and both Sears and Bishop, I think, Sears on the left, Bishop on the right, is with the intention to cut in, I think. Yeah. And Sears was certainly more successful at doing that. Just to, quickly on the bench, um, a lot of people hoping that Ben Morris would appear, though I think he's still coming back from injury. But I guess big news is that Tyree Simpson... <coughs> Um, is on the bench for a league game. I don't know whether he's he's featured on the bench before, perhaps um, maybe in the days of rotation back in November, December, but certainly appeared in the EFL Trophy. Um, and he is effectively the backup striker option there. Um, Dobra, also, a lesser spotted Armando Good. Dobra, Good. also makes an appearance. Um, but uh, let's talk about Blackpool. It's a 3-5-2 formation for their Maxwell in goal, a back three of Husband, Moore and Turton. Um, a midfield five it is of McDonald Dewsbury Hall, who we were warned about in the pub yeah. pre-match with Mullet and Mullet Senior, um, that he was a decent player on loan from Leicester and is actually, in absence of those two strikers that I've mentioned before for Blackpool, is their leading scorer. Um, Patrick and um, ooh, 
Patrick Ronan, Matthew Virtue Thick. There are some names here. <laughs> um, and Liam Feeney. You can still find Liam Feeney. More on him later on as well. Um, and on the bench for Blackpool, um, Grant Ward is on the bench. Um, well done to him getting back to injury. Um, but we didn't see him yesterday. Um, Medine and Delfonso up front. I nearly forgot the strikers. This um, layout of my notes is just not working today. Um, let's get into the action, shall we? It was a weird start. Two minutes. Um, we've had three Blackpool corners in quick succession. All of them not particularly well defended. Holy flaps at a couple. Yeah. Eventually he gathers one. But there are no real clear-cut chances until around 15 minutes onwards. There's... Um, 11 minutes Wolfen and gets Sears in he pings across that Hughes can't get on the end of kind of Gaza, Inches, Gaza nine, Euro nine, 96 yeah. style um, but 22 this is a, a good shot a good chance here Downs is in he has bodies left and right of him he cuts forward um, Blackpool are all over the place he plays in Keane rather than Sears and Keane who does well to find himself a shooting position actually ends up pulling the shot well wide here but that is the only action I have until the 27th minute, Seb. And let's talk about the catalogue of errors that precede this goal. Um, Garbert is involved here. Hughes and Downs are involved in here. Tell us tell us about this, Seb, and try not to smash the laptop in describing <laughs> it, please. It's just a, a, a cluster bomb of errors. Well played. I'm, yeah. well done. I'm sure we've all seen the Lambert post-match comments where he's blaming Garbert for this. So... Garbert tries this this flick, uh, bizarrely, just outside the area. He tries a flick to try and get it to, uh, I guess it's Sears, um, slightly ahead of him, and it, it goes completely wrong. We then manage to clear the ball. The, the, the Blackpool player gets in, puts the cross in. Wolfenden does well. He attacks the ball and clears it, and it falls to Hughes. Hughes starts to make a run with it out of the box, and I've watched it a few times. I can't work out who is at fault. Either Hughes should take responsibility and just absolutely thwack it down the pitch, um, or Downs should scream at him as uh, he's running onto it, and, and he should do likewise. Downs seems to almost tackle Hughes. He puts his foot out. I don't know if Hughes leaves it. I don't know if Downs gives him a shout. But between the two of them, they really, really mess it up. Uh, Dewsbury Hall takes control of the ball, cuts in on his left foot, uh, and it's a, it's, a, it's a decent finish in off the post. Holy goes down quite late to react to it, but um, it's, it's a goal completely of, of our making. Garbutt should never try the flick. One of Hughes or Downs should clear the ball, and, and as soon as the goal went in, I think it's Wolfenden especially, gives Garbutt absolute pelters. So I think it's quite clear where the, uh, the blame lies, but just a, a, a series of comical mistakes. And uh, we'd, we'd been doing all right up until that point, from about the sort of the, the 10th minute or so until this point. We had a couple of chances, a couple of half chances, decent possession. And then, sure enough, we just gift the opposition a goal, and it was, it was so, so avoidable. Yeah, there's two peak Ipswich <laughs> goals in this match, isn't there? Spoiler alert, Dewsbury Hall takes the shot quite well. It's a nice yeah. curling shot. And, and like, you, sorry, like you said, the guy in the pub had told us he's on loan from, is it Wolves or Leicester? Leicester, Leicester. I think, yeah. Uh, the guy in the pub had said he was their, he was their bright spark. He was their threat. Um, so if the, if, the, if the chap in the pub can tell us that, you'd like to think that, you know, the, the defenders will be switched on when he's around the ball just to, just to clear your lines, but apparently not. What do our supporters know, eh? Um, and to be fair, that's all Blackpool have really got to talk about from the first yeah, half. Yeah, they and did, didn't threaten, did they? We, Medine we, and Chambers kind of had a bit of back and forth with each other, which was quite interesting. Delfonso really didn't get on the ball. Um, he's one who flatters to deceive in a big way. Um, but let's talk about these few chances that Ipswich have before the end of the first half. Keane 
And Downs actually combining quite well throughout this game, actually. Mm. So sh- we'll talk about Downs in a second, about his yellow card. But um, Downs is played in by Keane. 37 minutes, this is. Um, Keane plays in Downs. He's, he's kind of the left-hand side of the penalty area. He hits a firm shot back across goal. Yep. Maxwell saves it, but spills it into the path of Sears, who's bundled over by McDonald. Um, I think in any other league, any other team, is this a penalty? Uh, fairly blatant, yeah. Downs does well. Downs seemed to be the one who was breaking from midfield to support mm. the strikers. Hughes and Scoos were sitting deeper, and Downs was the one that was given the licence to really, really get upfield and uh, and help support the, the front three. So he does well. It's on his left foot. He hits it back across goal. I guess you could say, you know, could he get more power on the shot? But it's a half-decent save by the keeper. Sears is then running in, and you expect just to tap in. It's On the replays, and at the time, it looks like a clear push by the Blackpool player. And then, you know, the referee doesn't give it, so you think, right, OK, it's, at least it's a corner. And then, bizarrely, he gives a goal kick. I can't see how the penalty wasn't given, and then certainly how the uh, how the corner wasn't given. But we've said it before, talking about the, the standard of refereeing in, in this league. So I guess at this stage, mid early February, uh, early March, we, we shouldn't be that surprised, should we, really? No, nope. and also we think it's a corner. Yeah, um, well, yeah. That's not given either. So, um, um, bizarre. Yeah, perfect moment there from the officials. And the players start going crazy as well, don't they? You know, Chambers and Scoos lead, the, uh, yeah, lead the, uh, the remonstrations to the ref, and it was just a, just a really bad decision. A um, couple of long ranges before half time. Sears combining with Garber, who plays, um, flicks it over to Downs, who hits a shot narrowly wide, only a few um, inches wide of the post, that one. And Hughes also um, has quite a, a firm volley, kind of from a, a key knockdown, but he's straight at Maxwell, yeah. either side of the keeper, yeah. and that's a, that's a good opportunity. Um, but Ipswich go in a half time behind probably moderately the better team on on the balance of it and on chances created but this mental capacity to throw things away um, but also more concerning I guess at half time was our record of turning around losing positions how concerned were you at half time Seb? Well I I think we both discussed it once the goal went in I mean (laughs) It's hard to be positive when you you know you go to as many away games as we do, <laughs> but I think we both sort of said that's game over because we couldn't see ourselves getting back into it. Uh, the other concern I had was that half time the weather the weather was okay in the first half, um, so I was worried that was our our good half. As we know, we don't do solid ninety minute performances, so I was worried that was our good half. And the weather changed, the wind started coming in, the rain started coming in. I had a horrible feeling the second half was going to be uh, was going to be a complete washout. Yeah, well, we'll talk more about the gathering storm, a metaphor, if you will, Storm Jorge. Um, but let's get into the second half, because there's not a huge amount to talk about until the 55th minute, when the aforementioned Delfonso is mucking around, trying to be clever just inside the town half. He mucks it up, Earl gets a foot in, Wolfenden launches it, it loops up in the air. And Keynes and Downs are yeah. combining again. So Downs does really well because the, the deflection off, I'm not sure it takes a deflection off, it actually falls to the, the Blackpool defender, but um, Downs puts his foot in and he enables the ball to run to Keane. Keane does really well. He, he, he runs to the, uh, to the byline. The Blackpool defender goes to ground. Keane very calmly dinks it over him and Sears running in exactly what you want from your inside forward. In, in a 4-3-3, that's what you want from your, your, your wide option. An inside forward making a late run into the box. Uh, it's a neat side-footed right-foot finish. And I think we were all delighted for you know delighted for Sears. He's had a, mm. a horrible time. I think in his post match, he said his operation was a year ago to the day, or a year ago wow. to the uh, the day before. Um, that so it's Villa a, goal, that, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, that, yeah. it's a really, really good moment for Sears. Um, I was only surprised by the, the celebration. It was really, really muted. Sears sort of did a bit of a fist 
pump towards the um, you know a, a clenched fist towards the uh, the support, and then but nobody else really went for it. It reminded me of the uh, Garbutt at Accring uh, at Lincoln, Lincoln goal, yeah, yeah. where again they just didn't really celebrate it. So I guess we'll come on to conspiracy theories and are they are they really motivated yeah, played etc. But I was surprised by that. But yeah, it was a good it was good for us to score relatively early in the second half, and then you'd like to sort of think right here we go, let's see what they're made of. Yeah, I think Mullet will be screaming um, wherever he's listening to this. If we don't mention how well Keane did really well. with the assist. He's, he, he pauses the cross just before the defender commits yeah. and then takes it around him and crosses it back. Keane um, was good all game, to be fair. Yeah. We, we didn't really... Uh, there was a, a sort of a 10-minute period in the first half where Wolfenden especially was going long to, to, to hit him in the air, but... They stop that, and when you're in a four-three-three, when you've got your your focal player, your focal point, when you play it to Keane's feet, he's really good in that role. He was really good at dropping deep and bringing others into play, and he he had a good game, and he, he really deserved that good assist. I think that is definitely worth a point for us at Shrewsbury. After that, there you go, Mullet. Um, Fifty or oh, fifty-seven odd minutes. There's um, it was just win a free kick. Flynn Downs reacts to the foul. Yeah, he pushes his man. The foul appears to be overturned. Yeah. Downs is booked and um, now has a two-match ban. And Downs is then a couple of minutes substituted. Downs was um, has been, in the last few months, the standout player, yeah, hasn't he? Undoubtedly. Um, this situation, again, this, I want an opinion on the officials. I don't know whether we need Ben, really, about the rules of the game. But I'm pretty certain, unless there's... Well, maybe but, unless there's um, unsporting behaviour, you, you can overturn a decision. But it seems weird that we had the free kick. Downs reacts, which is petulant. Yes, it's still a foul. The situation's yeah. rubbish. And then Downs gets accosted by an away, a home supporter on his way out when he gets substituted as well in the tunnel, doesn't he? It's all a, a bit of a silly five minutes, that, isn't it? Yeah, so he wasn't booked for the shove, was he? He was booked for descent. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, okay. so the, the yellow card was for descent, not for the, not for the push on the, on the Blackpool player. So is there something in the laws of the game where he's allowed to overrule the foul if descent is... I, I don't know. Um, We're making him up now, aren't we? Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. Straight, it was bizarre, though, because the ref did give the, the, the free kick to us and then randomly just changes his mind. Downs gets hooked pretty shortly afterwards. He went straight down the tunnel. Lambert put his arm around him. I guess he said to him, look, I'm worried you might get sent off because they're going to target you now. Um, he goes straight down the tunnel. And bizarrely, it must be the director's box at Blackpool, mm. right over the tunnel. Some guy just leans over and is giving Downs absolute pelters. Downs stops and looks back at him. And they, they were there for a good sort of good sort of 30 seconds just having a go at each other. Stewards are there and stuff telling the guy to sit down. I think Simpson on the on the town bench sort of stands up and tells the guy to sit down as well. So it was really weird because it was it was a nothing sort of, you know, he shoved him in the chest but it wasn't particularly aggressive or, or dangerous or anything. It was just a just a coming together and a, and a bit of handbag. So I don't really know why he got that, that stick walking off. It doesn't really affect Ipswich too much, does it? Again, Blackpool kind of break forward a little bit between kind of 70 and 80 minutes, but it's still Town, who I think are the better side just yep. about, but it's still the cutting edge that's the problem. We've got a double change here. Downs is subbed, as we mentioned. It's Judge who comes on to him, uh, for him. Bishop, who um, looked like he was running out of steam, wasn't really able to contribute, as you said, in, in his kind of right-wing position. It's Dobra who comes on for him. Um, and we think maybe a little bit of a formation change. It looked like he went to a 4-2-3-1. Yeah, Dobra sort of took up Bishop's position on the uh, on the right-hand side. And Judge went into the number 10, um, just leaving Skews and Hughes in central midfield. But it definitely looked like a formation change. But then Judge was popping up all over the place. I guess in that number 10 role, he's got that bit of, uh, bit of freedom to roam around the pitch. Um, let's talk about a few more chances before the inevitable happens. Um, Garber and Keane... 
um, combining at the near post. Keane kind of gets a shot away, but it's at the near post. It's never likely to go in. Um, it's kind of 75 minutes onwards. Uh, Thomas Hulley decides that he's had enough of hanging around. Yeah, it was weird, decides, it? To, decides to come out for every ball that bounces inside every, town's every, half. Especially with the wind, how it was, the conditions. You were There were a couple of times, I mean, he's, he's not quick. He's a big guy and he's not quick. And there were a couple of times you started to think, hang on, what's, what's he doing here? But to be fair, every single one he, he just about got away with. He got the taste for it as Sunderland away. Um, big chance here for Blackpool, though. I said they hadn't really contributed a huge amount in the second half, but this is a big chance. Um, Dewsbury Hall with the corner. Maydean has two goes at the header. First one hits the bar. The rebound goes straight to Holly and Delfonso's lurking. Yeah, Chambers but just can't loses. get anything in it. But everyone's flat footed, aren't they? There's yeah. so little marking from set pieces. I really hate it. Yeah, same. Um, and we nearly got caught out there. Um, a minute later, Judge hits wide. It's good work from Dobra here, but Judge gets his shot, firm shot wide. Um, 83, Holy's out again, and Chambers is the one who bails him out. Um, let's not talk about that anymore. Um, 84th minute, though. This is um, Keane had a good game, talked about this, yep. um, and probably needs to be fresh for Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday. Um, well, and next Saturday as well. Um, but Tyree Simpson here really gave, um, I think, um, Lambert something to think about for Tuesday. Really good cameo yeah. for the next kind of five, seven minutes. Um, big, physical, strong, powerful, quick. but he's, he's, he's quick as well. We watched him in the in the warm up, didn't we? And he's he's left he's taken left footed shots and he was finishing really really clinically. Yeah. You know, a few of the guys are putting them wide in the warm up, but he he was clinical every single time. And you assume being a, a, a big sort of lump that's doing him a disservice because when he came on, there were a couple of times when he really really ran at the the Blackpool players, and he's he's got a decent bit of pace about him. Yeah, I think um, definitely a presence there, um, but. But, Seb, <laughs> as the storm clouds gathered around Bluefield Road, the rain begins to lash down. We have a sight of goals, Seb. Judge intercedes. Seb, he is through almost one-on-one. He has two defenders for company, but he is ahead of them. What should he do here instead of maybe nudging the ball weakly to the keeper's Just side? Just hit it. Hit the ball. I mean, Matthew said after the game, didn't he? Alex Matthew was doing the co-commentary on Suffolk and he said, just hit it there. You know, I, I guess in Sears' defence, he is absolutely goose from about 70 minutes onwards, I would say. He looked knackered. Yeah. It, and he admitted as much in the yeah, post Yeah, fair enough. It's his first 90 minutes, I think, back after the injury. He's not played much under 23's football at all, so he is absolutely goosed. If that falls to him in the you know, the 20th minute, maybe that extra bit of a bit of pace might have made a difference, but he, he should just hit it. He tries to take it round the, uh, to, tries to take it round Maxwell who gets a decent hand on it um, and we all sort of went there it is there's the there's the chance that we're, we're going to regret that a point here isn't it really enough for today that's uh, that's the turning moment but you know oh well let's look ahead to Fleetwood and Coventry and then I blame you because you said here it comes as the guy kicked the ball that's a direct quote here it comes as the uh, the Blackpool player kicked the ball downfield and then again it's more of a uh, a, a comedy of errors isn't it Gar- mm. Garbutt sticks his leg out he should attack the ball he lets it bounce sticks his leg out misses it completely The uh, it's Feeney isn't it who runs down the uh, down the wing Earl I guess again you should say Earl should be stronger could he cut the cross out could he make? Could he be tighter to the player on the overlap? I guess so, but he's not. Feeney plays a really, really good ball. In to be fair, it's a very good cross. And then Nuttall is there in the ninety. Was it ninety second, ninety third? Ninety third minute. Ninety yeah. third minute. Holy, it's too close in. No chance. Chambers is ball watching. Scoose is there as well, but can't can't do anything about it. And Blackpool go crazy. There's a mini pitch invasion down that end of the pitch. We're just sitting there. We've gone from in the space of. 
40 seconds, you've gone from, you know, potentially three points to set you up nicely for the two home games in the week and to, to hopefully make the charge for the playoffs. We've missed that one. And then unbelievably, we, we've, we've managed to lose the game. Uh, a, a point yesterday would have been, you know, you wouldn't have been happy with a point based on the, the possession and the stats and the chances. So to lose it was farcical. And again, it's a goal of our own making because we're not. Yeah, Lambert in his post-match talks a lot about the first goal and the mistakes made. But again, I don't want to throw Garbutt under the bus. Garbutt was poor yesterday. We can say it. Garbutt was poor. Set pieces were poor. There there were times yesterday when I didn't think a left footer was the the best option for for some of the positions of the free kicks. But Garbutt just gets on every single one. I I guess you could say who else could take it on the pitch who's right-footed. But Bishop maybe. I I don't don't know. But he, he was poor in the first goal with the flick. Poor on the second goal when he lets it bounce and just sticks a leg out. He's got to be brave and attack that ball. Um, and then we don't stop the cross. And it's, oh, it's, it's, it's How just... often have we talked about stopping the cross? Yeah, yeah. Like, even the Mick era. And it, but it's a really good cross from Feeney. It's I mean, a lovely cross. He never did that when he was, when he was playing for us. And so. we've not mentioned his name no. in the, in the build-up to anything else previously. No, one moment of quality um, and, yeah. they, and they win it. Yeah, and, and, um, and the full-time whistle sounds and... A weird kind of post-match or post-whistle response, really. Wasn't we were it? in shock, I think, still, weren't we? A little yeah. bit. So the players come over. We had, we had a corner. Holy goes up. Nothing comes of it. It's then full time. Chambers comes over. He he, he didn't really get pelters. He got a, a round of applause. Sears, Scoose, they all come over. They don't come as close as they normally do. They never do after a defeat, do they? And then Lambert comes over and you know he shakes the hand of all the players as they walk off. He's left on his own. He uh, he starts applauding us, and then the the, the you know the, the the tide sort of turned. There was abuse. Shouted at him. There were a few gestures made towards him, um, and it, it was going on during the game as well. Actually, wasn't it? After they, after Blackpool scored, yep. there was a chant of five more years. You're having a laugh, and there was a chant of Lambert sort it out. Yep. So it's uh, it's starting to uh, teeter over, and I'm I'm just worried these two home games. If we if we lose both of them, it could turn nasty pretty. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Whether you want to protect yourself whilst online or just get access to more streaming content, NordVPN has the solution for you. And are now in partnership with us here at Blue Monday. NordVPN can be your cyber bodyguard whilst you're browsing online, but it also allows you to access more streaming content from abroad like sporting events, box sets or films. With one click of a button, NordVPN can digitally transport you to the US, Australia or Amsterdam. For the price of an ITFC match program each month, you can subscribe to NordVPN and have access to these great services. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, head to nordvpn.com slash bluemonday or click the link in the podcast description. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, so get yourself a great deal and support the podcast in the process. Quickly. Yeah, let me talk you through some stats here, because before we do the questions, the questions are of a particular tone, as you'd expect after a defeat, quite rightly. Um, But for me, this is a defeat that needs context, because 
The context behind the defeat here is Ipswich were dominant, 57% possession, 15 shots, 7 on target. Blackpool had 7, 4 on target. Big chances for Ipswich, 4, Blackpool 3. Ipswich dribbles 12, um, completed 19, attempted. Blackpool achieved 1, attempted 5. The XG of 2.5, I think it was, for Ipswich Town. Blackpool 1.5, I think it was. I think the problem we get now is is these um, positive performances or, um, I mean, yeah, these semi-positive performances that also end in defeat. Yield no points, yeah. They're kind of, patience runs out, don't yeah. they? And and rightly, questions are now starting to be asked, aren't they, Seb? But it's the, it's the same old story, isn't it? I mean, we've been saying it for, for months now. If you don't take your chances, you ain't going to win football games. It's that straightforward. Again, we've probably had... Uh, three or four decent clear cut opportunities that we should be we should be burying and the game should be out of sight. So it's again, it's nothing new. It's just this this mental thing, this mental block. Be it the players or the managers or whatever, they are you know once once we can see the goal, our heads go down and we just contrive to to throw things away. Uh, yeah, and your conspiracy theory around the celebration or the conspiracy theory that we we we've well, maybe we haven't concocted no. but you could maybe call rightly call from looking at the the, the match footage is there something to be said for for players not being 100% for Lambert? Uh, potentially, yeah. I mean, we, we heard whispers they weren't happy with the rotation policy and that sort of culminated with the the lock-in meeting after the Lincoln game. But the celebration just to me just seemed just seemed really really strange. It was very muted. You would think you know we've equalised. Let's really build and go on from here. But no one seemed that bothered. And I guess if you're in a if you're in a situation where the the manager hasn't got the if if he has lost the dressing room and they're not playing for him, then there's no way this will ever turn around. We'll talk about management in a sec. I've kind of got a mini informal play your stats right. I just want to get some again for some added context because is, is it worst win percentage of ITFC managers or something? No, because <laughs> well I think we've done that before. Haven't we? um, Let's do some questions. Um, let's start with one from Craig, which is a useful kind of segue for what comes up next. And without both of our leading scorers and now our best player who is suspended for the next two matches, how do you foresee that pl- playing out? Because it's Fleetwood and Coventry, two of the high-form um, teams in yeah. the league. I mean, no, knowing us, we'll probably beat them both. <laughs> we'll probably beat them both to keep this death by a thousand cuts that, going a little people. bit longer. No, uh, I think we might well get a point against Fleetwood, um, and it might build a bit of encouragement going into the Coventry game, but I, I cannot see us beating Coventry. Um, and part of me, I just kind of hope we'll put out of our misery relatively soon. You know, if it keeps going, if we if we get... Four points from these two games, then we're going to hear all the same sound bites. Chambers is going to come out and say, you know, we, with our home games, we can do this. And Lambert's going to say it's all still to play for. So part of me does kind of wish just just put us out of our misery. <laughs> Phil Y. Um, hi, Phil. Um, four league wins in 19. I'll trust his stats. I haven't double-checked those. He's a trustworthy man, is Phil. Um, in the third tier of the English leagues, isn't good enough for us. We need the club to let us know if it's all part of the real rebuilding plan or not. Perhaps we need to finally... Painfully admit we found our level, and that level is mid-table League One. Leo Neal's talked about a five-year plan. Marcus Evans has talked about a five-year plan. Um, Leo Neal has said previously to Christmas that, um, or just after Christmas, wasn't it, for Lincoln, I think, that um, if we don't get promoted, it's not the end of the world. Do you think the club needs to say, it doesn't now matter, we'll see how many points we can achieve, but now is the time to start blooding the likes of Dobra, Simpson, to be playing Bishop, to be playing Dizelle, and we just... or, or Again, it comes back to... Or is there no plan, Seb? Are we just making it up on the hoof? There's, cle- there's clearly no plan. If, if they came out and said, 
if we're not going to go up, we will spend the next season developing, you know, developing players, developing a pattern of play and a strategy like like the bigger clubs that have been in this league before have done. Then I think most of us would be okay. I think realistically, if we gate crash sixth and somehow manage to beat a top six side and go up, I think we'll all know we'll come straight back down. Yes, but that's got to be the consensus. Evans isn't going to isn't going to invest in the squad, so we are going to come straight back down. So there is an argument: is it better to stay down for one more year or two more years and properly properly build something? You know, build a pattern of play and identity. I'm assuming that's the basis behind Lambert's five-year contract so he can really stamp his authority on the team and use a few windows to to maybe get people in and shift people out and see a, a cultural change maybe from some of the, the Mick leftover sort of era players but I'm just worried that we'll just stay down we'll still be making these rotational decisions uh, we won't develop the youngsters and we will just drift and drift like in the championship we'll just drift into nothing and League One will become the become the norm Yeah I've got a question here um, that kind of supplements that um, hopefully I, I get this right um, in the pronunciation. Sorry if I haven't. Yane Sonnenen, um, or if I, Yane Sonnenen. Um, should we accept that we won't reach the playoffs? Sack Lambert, bring Klug back in, flood the youngsters into the team, I think he means, and try to find a manager who has a philosophy and is prepared to work on a really tight budget. We haven't, we haven't really figured out whether Lambert is... Lambert seems to be okay with a tight budget, although he moans about it every window. Um, but, and um, Dave Gore, just to supplement this on Lambert as well, in your day jobs, if your equivalent results were as bad as Paul Lambert's, and a lot of people talk about this, football is a little bit special. We can't compare nine to five with being a football manager. But nevertheless, in our equivalent, if our results as equivalents to Lambert um, for the last 18 months in charge, would we expect to keep our jobs? No. Is that it? No? <laughs> no. Um, the... What was the first, the first part of the question was about the... Well, about um, if we don't get to the playoffs. Somebody with a philosophy, yeah. Yeah, so, get rid of Lambert, bring in Klug. I mean, bring, poor Klug. I don't, does, I don't think Klug actually enjoys being sure, in charge, yeah. does he? I think he probably, dreads, he probably dreads getting the phone call from Marcus during a bad run of form because he probably thinks, oh God, I've got to look after the team again. I mean, there are there are managers out there who are available who have a very a very set philosophy. Somebody like Nathan Jones is a, you know, a high energy, a high press, four four two diamond man. Um, War- Warnock is a long ball kind of, hold that oh, thought right, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, there, there are managers out there who have philosophy who you could move for straight away but I'll be honest I, I fully expect Lambert to still be here next season I don't. I can't see Evans, Evans sacking him is there a point of no return though Mullet's question here is, we've reached it surely well uh, Mullet's question is um, and we've mentioned it these players um, look like no longer playing for the manager is it time for conspiracy theories we talked about this is there something to be said for the players that we need to get us out of the situation who are largely the more senior players the Mick players are they giving 100% or are we getting 90% Seb and a new manager whilst it gives the players a short term boost to kick up the arse is that what we need at this point well, or clear. should we be going for the longer term manager who, who has got a philosophy well if you have a plan you go for the longer term manager and you develop a, a pattern of play and a real real strategy I guess you know we are now fast approaching the end of the, the leftover Mick players so your Chambers your Scoose your Sears they can't be long for uh, uh, long for this, this world as interest town players I guess if Lambert really wants to stamp his authority on the squad then he will look to, to, to move them on and I guess they should be the ones the younger lads in the dressing room are turning to for, for guidance but they're just not doing it at the moment Down, Downs is the only player I would say who is trying to, to drag this side up the table and he's one of the youngest Yeah, maybe keen in that as, as well um, Paul Westlake's um, looking to try and find the positive <laughs> just as I am as well um, he says by far the better side should have had three or four Dobra was excellent as was Simpson mm. time to stick with them to prep for next season again a similar theme there yeah I'd like to see Dobra I mean he, when he came on he was good you know he's very positive he runs at people and also there was one bit where he lost the ball and he ran pretty much half the length of the field didn't he to win it back so he's clearly he's clearly up for up for the challenge I'd like to see him get a, 
uh, a run in the side. Maybe not in a wide a wide position. Maybe he's better in the the number ten role. Simpson again. They were the two positives from yesterday. But it's a big ask to throw these two eighteen year old lads into a, the pressure cooker of a side trying to gate cash promotion. It, I don't think it's really fair on them to expect them to single handedly get us across the line. Yeah, two questions. I'm going to mix in together here. ITFC Mark. Um, he talks a lot about the rotation, um, but how we've gone from first um, to ninth and, and all the stuff that were positive at the start about flying up the wind, dangerous runs, decent set pieces. Um, it's the manager, right? Not Evans. Um, the squad should be good enough, he says. We've debated whether that's the uh, case or not. What's happened? Big mess. He thinks Lambert's to blame. And then FPL tracked. I love the show. Always say love the show. You'll always get your question read out by me. Um, given we live in a blame culture, do you blame um, relegation last year? Um, he blames Evans, but this year's fast. More on that. Um, the players, Lambert, or who? I, I, for me, this is all on Lambert. You can't. You can blame Evans absolutely for not being competitive in the championship, but I don't think you can hold him accountable for not being competitive competitive in League One. This squad should be easily enough to. To, to go up comfortably, as we proved in the first, what, 15, 20-odd games of the season. Um, for me, Lambert's just got this horribly, horribly wrong with the chopping and changing of personnel, the bizarre formations, playing people out of out of position. And it, for me, this whole season is on him. Um, and Scott Moore says, despite the new deal um, he was given, does Lambert get sacked if Ipswich don't make the plus? Probably at any other team. Yeah, right? I can't think of another instance where a side wins four out of, is it four out of 23 games? I can't think of another instance where a side is on that kind of run of form and does, doesn't sack the manager. I mean, Grayson wasn't doing, didn't have those kind of stats and he got sacked by, by Blackpool. So I guess it all comes down to the five-year contract, doesn't it? There must be break clauses in there. Maybe it has to be that we can't mathematically go up or if we finish outside the playoffs at the end of the season. There may be he's a mutual to, consent yeah, clause yeah. or something. I mean, with, with Magilton, he waited till it was mathematically impossible, didn't he, to, to go up, I think, and then he then he, he swung the axe. So maybe it's a similar kind of thing and he wants to avoid pay, paying compensation, but by then it might be too late because some of the potential managerial targets might have moved on elsewhere. Um, I'm, a lot of questions about Lambert and Evans. I'm not. Um, apologies for not reading all of them. They're of a similar nature. I'll try and find some different stuff. We've had a question from Jules or a, an opinion from Jules about the errors at the back and um, and Lambert and uh, about the players' responsibility there. Just hello, Jules. How are you doing? All right, uh, well, and and family all right as well. Um, Crab walk though. This is in, this is one that we've I've talked about quite a lot about the fans' reaction. Um, do we accept the ongoing slide and keep turning up and cheering? Thirteen hundred there yesterday, yeah, by yeah. the way. Um, they won't be there um, that next. Um, that many next year. Next year. Um, do we protest? And if so, what do we demand? Um, we have to do something, otherwise the apathy returns, and that's the most destructive path. He's right to talk about season ticket numbers. Um, yeah. The calling on Suffolk. We're talking about that. I've talked about that as well. Um, but we, we can protest. How do we react? Well, we can protest. It depends how you look at Evans. I mean, some people think he's the the worst owner in the world and, you know, he shouldn't be here and get out of our club. But he is, the one thing he has done, we are financially stable. You know, the debt is all owed to him. So we're not in a situation like Blackpool were under the Oysters or Charlton were, where we're really facing, you know, going against the wall. And also, I think, I can't see, it. we can protest about Evans leaving, but we need that kind of figure to pump money into the club. And who else is going to be prepared to lose seven, eight million quid a year? Yes, he's made some awful decisions, bad decision after bad decision, but he does still put that money in. And whilst we can we can sort of, you know, protest, for me, the protest should be aimed against the manager and not against the owner, because in this league, we should be good enough. By all means, if we go back to the championship and it all goes horribly wrong again, then we can start the Evans out kind of chance. Um, but for, for this season, for me, it's, it's on Lambert. But you're you're not advocating apathy. Then you're saying that a protest is. 
We've got to do something. Reasonable? Some, well, yeah, we've got to do something. I mean, under... under We've gone from being a you know overachieving in the seventies and eighties, I guess uh, the promotion in the in, in two thousand, the year in the Premier League, and then flirting with the playoffs. And it's just been a slow, steady decline. And apart from when a handful of people did that bedsheet thing against Magilton, have we ever really you know gone hell for leather and, and really voiced our opinions? Roy Keane used to say, didn't he? A, a protest in Suffolk is about five people on the street chanting down with this sort of thing. So. Can we? Is it time to really become vocal about things? It's. I, I guess we we need to we need to do something. But for me, it should be aimed against the manager. Those are the opinions of Browns <laughs> 08 on Twitter. Um, Blue Monday podcast always advocates respectful debate. And yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying invade the pitch and throw your season ticket at the okay. dugout. You know, I'm saying just to be clear. Yeah, no, we're all adults. We don't want any kind of you know nothing needs to cross the line. We don't want any kind of violence or or you know personal chanting. It's not a personal situation. All we want is uh, maybe, maybe a voice to, to voice our displeasure. Good lawyers for you. Um, yeah, let's um, let's uh, yeah um, re- keep it respectful, kids. Uh, I'm trying to find more questions here. Um, Jason um, again, always someone who gives a compliment at the start of his question. Um, one thing, one thing we haven't really talked about. We talked about Evans. We talked about Lambert in or out. Um, Lambert. Uh, in the world of Ipswich, isn't going anywhere unless something drastically different happens in the next few weeks. So if you are Lambert, um, Jason asked, what one thing would you do if walking away is not an option? Which Alex Matthew was advocating yesterday on the phone as well. What does Lambert do to change this? I've got no idea. Because Getting a psychologist? We um, said this last time, but he's not been able to change it now for, for 23 games. I mean, it's clearly a mental issue. The players have proven this season they're at the, they, they can do it because we were top of the league with the, the games in hands and the, was it a five, six point gap to third at one point? So the players can do it. It's just, is it pressure? Is it mental? Is it confidence? Maybe, yeah, maybe look to bring in a bring in a psychologist to try and work with some of the younger guys and maybe make them mentally tougher and, and bring in, I think I said last time, bring in Terry Connor to coach the, the strikers to be able to score Marcus more goals. Um, I think the other thing that Marcus Evans can do in this situation is, is if we are sticking with Lambert, um, good or bad with this five-year contract, and let's be honest, it's unlikely to be five, the full five years. No, no, no. Do we need to establish to the players that don't maybe appear to be playing for the manager that he's going nowhere? Because there's maybe this attitude that we got rid of Hurst, yeah, yeah. we can get rid of Lambert. There's player power debate in football, what we talked about at Watford and Chelsea. You know, if, you, if Mourinho can be forced out, so can Paul Hurst or Paul Lambert. Is there something to be said for the players here getting a, a bit of a piece of truth that you know, Lambert isn't going anywhere till maybe the summer at the very earliest. He does have a five-year contract. We're going to honour that. Yeah. Um, and the players need to look at themselves. Well, maybe. I mean, Lambert's contract vastly outweighs any. We haven't got any players tied down to, to five-year deals, have we? So maybe it is a bit of a, a bit of a statement to say he's here for the long term. And you know, Scoos could conceivably go this summer. Chambers and Sears, I'm assuming, are out of contract next summer. So if Lambert wants to have a have a clear out, he could. Maybe it is a bit of a message to the players to say, you know. Some of your time here is is coming to an end, um, and well, he, he's put his faith in in Lambert to to sort of maybe do a rebuild and a complete a complete restructuring job. I just wanted to this kind of play your stats. So thank you again for the questions, everyone, and apologies if we don't have time to read them, but always useful in helping us drive the discussion forwards. Um, a little bit of a play your stats, right? You're going to be able to cheat because the notes are right against the camera, so try Excellent. not to look over there. But four teams um, whose model that we have are supposedly replicating or <laughs> the kind of the glass half full guys will um, say that we're advocating is the get remote uh, pro- uh, relegated from the championship to get promoted back stronger <laughs> yeah. and maybe do a double bubble rebuild um, four teams or three teams who've definitely done that to the Premier League and, and one team who have kind of consolidated and look like they're going to be promoted this season um, 
So I want to know how many. Um, I will give you the name of the team. How okay. many managers and how and and I'll give you the number of seasons that they were in League One for before they bounced back. Okay. How many managers managers they had at that time? Because an right. interesting debate that's gathering on Twitter. There was quite a few of us having that discussion on Twitter on um, after the round of games on Tuesday. Is is whether the model of being um, loyal to a manager doesn't work if you're looking for promotion and if it feels like there's no longer fit. We are. It's not the days of Cobbold and Robson anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, loyalty for managers is, is is maybe a little bit of a bygone thing. So should we be looking to change the manager when things go wrong? So Southampton were in League One for three seasons. Right. How many managers do you think they had? Um, I have no idea. I don't even know who, t- who took them down. Um, I'll guess and say one. Bounced straight back with the same guy in charge, but I couldn't tell you who that was. So Pardew was in charge, I think, when they went down, and then he got, oh, the, he got, fired, he yeah. got the Newcastle job. Yeah, seven-year contract. And it was Nigel Adkins, and you're okay. right, he was the man who took them up, but they were there and for then, three seasons. Didn't they, well, when we were surprised, didn't they sack him and replace him with Pochettino when they were relatively sort of mid-table and comfortable? So yeah. quite horses ruthless there. Horses, yeah, ruthless yeah. there from the owners. Um, Norwich. <laughs> um you remember Norwich's situation, don't you? Yes. Yeah, so one season, two managers, and they realised quite quickly that Brian Gunn, lovely guy as he is, was not cut out for it. So and again, they were, in? they were ruthless, weren't they? They went out and got a young up-and-coming manager who had great ideas on football and played for massive clubs, apparently. In and, Germany? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And um, yeah, look, Christ, they never looked back, did they? Here's the one that I think most of us are worried that we might end up being without the payoff. Sheffield United, um, six would, seasons yeah. in League One, having been relegated. How many managers do they have, Seb, in that time? What, uh, I've absolutely no I'll be honest, I've got no idea. And obviously, um, Wilder brought them back. And I think he had, was it a year? So did he get promoted in his first year? Then again, in his second year? So was he in his third year now? Uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you. He took him down, I don't know. So Sheffield United had um, seven managers in their six <laughs> seasons. Two of, to be fair, two of those was Chris Morgan as acting as caretaker. Okay. So five managers, if you want to be um, brutal about it. So there was a team that was willing to gamble or yeah. experiment on a manager Roll until the they dice. find a fit. Yeah. Um, Leeds is the other one that... Leeds um, is the other one that I want to talk about. Three seasons in League One after we relegated them. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. How many managers in Leeds' three seasons? Leeds have a lot of managers. I'll say four or five. They seem to go through managers. Was that when Ken Bates put them into admin when they went down and then yeah, they got he employed Poyet Wise? Uh, so Poyet was in, was in the championship, I think. So Wise okay. was in charge when they went down. <clears throat> then they had Gary Mack and then Simon Grayson, <laughs> who we all know about and worry about as well. So three managers in three seasons for Leeds in their League One um, spell. I've, I've got stuff you could add Forrest that list as well, couldn't you? I don't think Forrest went down to League One. Did they? Forrest, yeah, three years they were down there for. Um, I've got Megson, Hudd- Megson took them down, didn't he? Huddersfield, eleven years. Uh, I, this is now not, not Bradford, about the managers. This is the this is the risk I think of not acting decisively. Yeah. There are three or four teams who have um, come down from the Championship, probably thought they were going to bounce straight back, and have st- um, stagnated and even gone down to League Two. Huddersfield went down to League 2 they had a season in yeah. League 2 Coventry yeah. who are back on it with Mark Robbins now they had a season in League 2 um, Portsmouth Bradford now yo-yo between League 1 and League 2 remember Bradford in the Premier League 
just um, relegated the season before we went up. Yeah. Wigan um, bounced, always bounced back. Rotherham look like they're going to bounce back as well. So Blackburn. decisive action, it feels like, needs to be taken if you haven't got a strategy yeah. off the field. And it's no time to be figuring out that strategy now, is there? Um, but the news that it's kind of broke just before we started recording, and it's broke by the Mirror, who actually figured out um, or, or knew that Lambert was in the wings if Hurst was to get sacked. Have said that um, it said Neil Warnock is waiting in the wings. I think it was. He's lurking there like his <laughs> the shadow. Um, yeah, the, looming um, over the dugout. That um, Verve video that he did with the audience oh, yeah. on the bench. Um, you're th- we, a lot of people have advocated Warnock coming in. It's a definitely a short term fix because he yep. wants to retire. Um, what do you make of this? I, I think if you if you're trying to advocate a five year plan, this is not no. the appointment to make. It depends what you want. If you want the short term fix, uh, he probably gets us up, and we might even scrape survive. With a uh, uh, with a you know a target man up front and long and, and, and long ball football, but but then you're back to the the Mick arguments about the uh, you know the, the the style of play and the kind of players we employ. He's, he's definitely a short term fix. You probably get 18 months of relative success, but then a bit like when Mick left, is he just going to leave uh, the, the, the blocks for failure after him? Can a new manager come in after that that little bounce and do something with the the kind of squad he's inherited? So. For me, I think I put it on Twitter last night. For me, rather than, than Warnock, I'd rather have somebody like Nathan Jones come in. I'd like to see a, a, a energetic... I mean, the, the amount of football you watch these days, be it League One, League, even League Two, you know, teams these days play with pace. They're, you know, attacking, high energy, dynamic. Nothing about Ipswich at the moment is, is, is quick. I mean, even off the pitch, you know, cleaning the stands, our contract negotiations, our transfer business, nothing we do is urgent or quick or dynamic. So for me, I'd like to see somebody like, you know, uh, and Nathan Jones come in, who's got a, a very definitive style, high energy, high passion, high high pressing. Um, for me, he's the, the better long term option than a, than a short fix in, in Warnock. Um, let's do the roundup then. Um, but what do you th- what are your thoughts? I wouldn't go for Warnock, um, and I don't think the thing that troubles me is I, I tweeted yesterday as I generally do to, to strike up a little bit of a discussion, was that I didn't think we played particularly bad. Yeah, there was ponderous yep. bits of possession. We see that pretty routinely because Ipswich want to keep the ball now. And let's not forget that when Mick was um, uh, let go, fans were crying out for us to try and play um, attractive, passing, attacking football. And that doesn't happen overnight. Yep. So yesterday I was seeing enough um, of that kind of style of play um, to suggest that it wasn't impossible that we could develop that. It needs to be more attacking and more clinical, certainly. Warnock to me is a regression on that. We would end up, as you say, being quite direct. I mean, we can't bring in any players to help um, um, Warnock fashion a team that he would he would like in Lee one anyway because the window's shut. So I just don't see what it, what it does apart from maybe it gives a kick up the arse to the players, the more senior pros who maybe don't have the respect for Lambert and aren't um, giving it their all. But as you say, um, if Warnock, Warnock said he wants to retire in the summer anyway. Yeah. So let's say he he's gets a six-month deal or a deal to the end of the season, walks away. We don't get promoted. Um, where then? It's back to kind of square one again, isn't it? Yeah. Unless it's Warnock in, stabilise the ship, sort out the troublemakers if there are any. Again, we're not making... Another. And then Lee O'Neill and Marcus Evans have... The same amount of time they had to find Paul Hurst only during the season when we could make the appointment at the end of the season straight away, Get it have right. the whole of the summer transfer window and not balls it up like we did with Hurst. So if that is the approach, fair enough. 
My worry is it'll be a short-term fix yeah. with no idea what to do next. It doesn't necessarily sort out the problems we've got. It might fix a few of the little teething issues we have. And no, we're no better off than had we kept Lambert. Um, so there's my two penneth. Um, I'm sure nothing will happen and Lambert will be here. Oh, I fully expect him to be here in August. Yeah, if we finish 8th, 9th, I, I, I think he'll be here. I really do. Uh, let's talk about the league table and where Ipswich find themselves because it doesn't make good reading. And, it, and Again, I'm all about the context today. More about context in a second when we talk about Fleetwoods. Let's talk about some results, though, some key results. Yesterday, Burton won, Peterborough won. Peterborough kind of stalling a little bit. after yeah. Everyone was going about how great they are attacking-wise. Four goals. They were scoring three, three, four goals week in, week out, weren't they? Yeah, they've now not... Um, they've uh, lost one and drawn one uh, in the last two. And Burton, we know, aren't brilliant either. Um, so Peterborough now find themselves outside the playoffs. Um, Doncaster three, Wickham one. This Wickham sort of slow tumble. They're a little bit patchy wins and def- and defeats for Wickham. They don't draw that many, but they are at the moment two points off of automatic. Yeah. So, but Doncaster. The problem for us is that Doncaster are now one point behind us. Um, we'll kind of merge the table and the results together. Let's do it that way. And they have a game in hand, as everyone does. Um, Another results to talk about Oxford 2, Southend 1. No surprises there. Um, Oxford up to 6. There's four straight wins for Oxford. Um, Rotherham 1, MK Dons 1. MK Dons worry me because in my mind I'd always seen us rallying and winning the remainder of our home games or something stupid like that and getting to just on the edge of the playoffs on the last day and then needing to beat MK Dons to guarantee it. And, and Russell Martin's we'll the manager there yeah. now, and we'll <laughs> screw up against MK Dons. So MK Dons are a little bit of a rally and making themselves safe. Friday night, Portsmouth consolidated their position in the playoffs with a 3-0 victory over Rochdale. Um, they are third on 59 points, two points behind Coventry, but having played a game more. Coventry and Sunderland um, are playing on Probably the day right, that we record, right so now. we don't know that. Let's assume that ended one all. For, just for argument's sake, um, we'd like surely we'd like a Coventry win, wouldn't we? Uh, yeah, I think I think so. Um, are we saying goodbye to Rotherham and Coventry then? Are we? Uh, or are we not, aiming, not, if you're, not if you're Lambert? No, it's, for, it's, it's still it's still doable. Obviously, it's not impossible. Yeah, um, let's, uh, just I wouldn't look above sixth. <laughs> yeah, sixth is the target now. Hey, expectations. Um, so Rotherham top um, by a point, but Coventry with that game in hand, actually two, two. games in hand for Cov City, um, who we play next weekend. Portsmouth third, as I mentioned. Um, 59 Wickham who have played a game more than Pompey on 59 as well Sunderland um, who could go up as high as um, the second um, if they beat Coventry um, they are on 33 games played 58 points Oxford make up the top six 57 points 34 play Peterborough one point behind them in seventh Fleetwood who have two games in hand seemingly on most teams in the top six or seven 55 who we play on Tuesday Ipswich Town, ninth. Yay. 52 points from our 34 games with Doncaster, as I say, one point behind us. Um, let's not talk any more about that because it doesn't get better for us. <laughs> um, let's talk about Fleetwood on Tuesday. Anything else that you want to mention there? Any other interesting results or outcomes? No, every, everyone is just starting to sort of hit form at the right time as we as we plummet down the table. So Yeah, with the lowest form team of all of the teams that you'd expect to be um, hunting for playoff places. Um, Tuesday, Joey Barton's Fleetwood, Seb. I've got so many bullet points here. Um, 
I wanted this to kind of be a little bit of light and shade in this pod, but it's if you're still with us, God bless you. Um, I'm, I'm trying to end on a high, but I'm not sure I'm going to be able to. Fleetwoods um, had a day off this weekend thanks to Tramway's crap pitch, which we know all about. The beach. Um, they, um, uh, our game against them is one of their two games in hand on everyone else. Um, Paddy Madden, the top scorer, is the threat for them. Um, we're expecting probably a 4-3-3 with McKay um, Madden and Burns, the front three. But Callum Connolly, who we know all about, yeah. can float around between defence and midfield to allow them to play a three or a four. Um, at the back, um, let's talk about the game in October. Said 1-0 victory for town. Good, John Nolan was excellent in yeah. that match. Caden Jackson was good. Mr. Penalty. We're going to win the league. We that, are going to win the league. We the went... hand thing at full time they did. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, Joey Byron would love to do that, I think, on Tuesday if they beat us. Um, 1-0 def- um, win for town at Fleetwood put us top of the league um, by four points with a game in hand. Just to remember the good old days <laughs> of October 19. Um the game on Tuesday would um, leave us on uh, having played one more match than anyone else in the day. We would play, have played the most games the of anyone in the league yeah. um, and just continues to add the pressure of teams with games in hand. Um, their last four matches, I think this is right, because I can't believe this having written it down. Wickham, um, sorry, Fleetwood have beat Wickham 1-0, have beaten Peterborough 2-1, have beaten Portsmouth 1-0 and drew with Sunderland on Tuesday, as we talked about. They drew with Cov... Um, in late January, they are unbeaten since the 11th of January. Four draws, five wins. Seb, how much are you looking forward to the match on Tuesday? <laughs> Great, yeah. I can't wait to give my £10 to I follow to sit there and watch that. I mean, that that run of form is, is absolutely phenomenal. They're the, basically the exact opposite of us, aren't they? They must not be great against the sides lower down in the table because with those kind of results, you'd expect them to be certainly around, you know, certainly in the playoffs themselves. So maybe uh, maybe they're not great against the sides beneath them. So we'll take that, that crumb of comfort. <laughs> and their first game to Portman Road, we know some teams... The smaller teams do get a little bit um, overawed by Portman Road, maybe, Brilliant. historically. Yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to find positives. <laughs> I'm trying to find them. Interestingly, we were talking about it in the pub yesterday with, uh, with Mullet and Senior. Fleetwood don't play on the last day of the season because it was their, it's their Berry weekend. So that must be weird if you're a Fleetwood fan. Wow, and you're bricking it yeah, if you're two if, points clear of seventh yeah, or something. And you, you can't do anything at all to, uh, to influence things. That, that's quite an interesting point. But, I mean... I. <laughs> exasperation I I wouldn't be surprised if we got a point or maybe we even beat them just to prolong this agony even further I can't can't see us doing anything against Coventry but maybe I I hope obviously we we can do something against them otherwise I've got a horrible feeling if we do lose let's say we lose 2 or 3-0 I've got a horrible feeling the atmosphere could, could, could turn quite nastily against Lambert yeah defeat to Fleetwood is not implausible Defeat to Coventry is almost inevitable. I can't see it being Coventry. I mean, you'll be delighted. But um, <laughs> the rest of us will be absolutely gutted, obviously. Um, Are you wearing your cough shirt for that one? Yep, I'll have that on underneath my Insta shirt. Yep, bullying in the workplace. Um, <laughs> but let's so uh, let's play this out then, because uh, people probably... I, I don't know whether I missed a question on this, but I would be asking this question. Two defeats in two to Fleetwood and Coventry um, is basically playoffs... is. Is is impossible as the automatic promotion to well, feel now. So what happens then? Does, he's put the pressure. He on, he's put the pressure on now because he's come out and said we have to win both, didn't he? Well, That's yeah. What he said so, in his post match, we have to win them. And we both. were going to go for it as well. So, the hunters, uh, the yeah. gun, whatever. Great buzzword bingo. Soundbite, soundbite, so did, soundbite. So does Evan yeah. sack him if, if he? He won't. He no, won't. No, he, he should do because that'll put us on what four wins out of twenty six by the twenty five by then. But I don't think he will. I fully expect him to be here come come August and. Uh, Yay! We brilliant. might win. We might. We might win. 
But, but seeing as <laughs> would you be that surprised if we beat Fleetwood and then drew with Coventry to put us right back in it, and then all we got after that is probably somebody relatively straightforward, and we'll mess that up. We'll probably draw at home to Bolton and draw again at home to Southend over Easter and drop right back out of it again. W- w- would you be that surprised if that happened? No, <laughs> peak Ipswich. So that feels the like banter era continues. Feels like the point to end it. We have the, the, the headline, the bullet point for this podcast is: we have only questions, no answers. Um, something needs to change. Something needs to happen. Maybe Fleetwood. There you go. There's a positive to end our sum up. That is all of it. Um, we'll do some plugs quickly. Thank you, Seb, for your assessment on everything. Thank you, everyone, for your questions, as always, as well. Um, you can find the channel at Blue Monday ITFC on Twitter if you haven't already. On Instagram, Blue Monday Pod Team, all one word. And YouTube, Blue Monday Podcast. Go searching in there and update your subscriptions if you haven't already. Um, ben, I think, is back for the midweek show post Fleetwood. It might be Thursday night rather than um, Wednesday night, so there might be a little bit of a delay. Um, pod availability and all that kind of stuff but there will be a midweek pod to discuss whatever happens at Fleetwood and I will be back for the Ipswich Derby as Seb has already said but you're so Coventry play up Sky Blues um, and um, we'll see where we are in a week's time <laughs> a week is a long time in football how many cliches do we it's need? not over they're in a great position still apparently Seb where can we find you on Twitter at brownS08 and you can find me at Ipswich thank you for listening I hope you're still here to the end um, and um, Seb, I'll let you have the last words. Oh, do I have to? Uh, hello, darkness, my old friend. Oh, come on, that can't be that. <laughs> positive. End on a positive. We're going to uh, beat Fleetwood, draw with Coventry, and get ourselves right back in it. Spring is coming. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.